0: Good morning and welcome, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, Positively Different Radio in the Morning, and you are with Lyle and
1: Mon! How's the headache, one? Yeah, I popped some pills, and I'm feeling a little bit better. I can feel it kicking in. <laughs> that I'm that just is annoyed because I hate taking painkillers for anything. I always try and just push through it, but, um, but today is my last day. Uh,
0: sometimes sometimes it is necessary.
1: Yeah, tomorrow um, tomorrow morning, very early, I'm flying off to Taz. And so today I have a lot of stuff I need to get done. And I need to like, you know, pack my suitcase and all this kind of thing. I'm just thinking about all that physical activity that I have to get done. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so it was time to bring in the meds.
0: Well, by the time you, you listen to this, Mon will, of course, will be long over her headache yes. because this is the delayed broadcast.
1: Long over my headache and long off the mainland. So, so seeing
0: it, seeing it, seeing it is as it is now. Tomorrow, maybe your headache should be just gone.
1: Yeah, hopefully, because I'm, I'm I did get this headache yesterday morning, and it's still here now, like mm. twenty four hours later. So, but yeah, but at least tomorrow, at, whenever it is you hear this program, I will be in Tasmania, um, unless it's so late, I, I'm already. Back. If this is January, I'm probably back in.
0: (laughs) 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 Depends how delayed the delayed broadcast goes out.
1: Yeah. So if it's not, what is today? Today's like Monday, the. 17th, 17th. 17th if it's not 17th. Monday the 17th of December um, you are listening to the late show but you can jump across the live show it's very easy we tell you guys this all the time just go to faithfm.com.au or download the tune in app or call us up 1-800-FAITH-FM and give us a pester about having the live show broadcast in your area
0: absolutely and uh, Mon you're thankful for
1: I am thankful that it is the last show for me for this year and I get to go off to Taz tomorrow and you've
0: done a whole working year of radio
1: radio is amazingly miraculously by the grace of God became a morning person (laughs) (laughs) it is impossible for me to sleep in these days (laughs) I just can't manage it I tried yesterday it didn't work (laughs)
0: that's hilarious (laughs) what are you grateful for I think you might remaster the art over the break
1: I don't. I don't think so. You don't think so. I don't want to either. I that's, like being a morning a person. That's a good thing. I, yeah. Absolutely. I my totally life has concur. positively changed. Be- there you go. Usually, I'd wake up in the morning. And I'd be angry about being awake, and I'd be grumpy for the first little bit. But becoming a morning person and being uh, conscientious about about me being, being intentional about becoming a morning person has actually made me like so okay with getting up in the morning. Like I don't wake up angry anymore.
0: That's awesome Not not, not like you have the chance to uh, be angry here on Faith FM
1: (laughs) Yeah, what are you grateful for? Summer cleaning Summer cleaning You did some
0: summer cleaning Marta did some summer cleaning I did some summer cleaning in my workshop
1: This is opposed to spring cleaning This is for people who are late, right? right? People who are late to the show
0: (laughs) The procrastinators (laughs) This is the Faith FM team, we are procrastinators But anyway, don't procrastinate Jump across to the live show now if you can And if you can't, just stay tuned right here and enjoy the show to Chris McLarney, Breathe On Me, O Breath of God, here on Faith FM. Mon.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Hit us with a clue for our quiz, your last one of the year. Mon, you've been doing this for a year now, can you believe that?
1: Well, since February 28th, so... Yeah. Come a February, working, I reckon, end a, working, of February, a working year. A, oh, yeah. Sure, sure. A working, a working year. Yes. Yeah, so this is uh, our breakfast Bible quiz. I've made this a fairly easy one to take me out for the year. So give us a call if you know the answer. The first clue, it's a what am I quiz. And the first clue is this. On his way to sacrifice his son, Abraham carried this and a knife while Isaac carried the wood.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is, what Lyle? Might, what might that be? Mm-hmm. Let me write something Lyle's down Lyle's having here. a guess.
1: Lyle's having a guess. If you know the answer, give us a call right now. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. 1-800-324-843. Lyle has correctly written down the answer on his sheet of paper. But there's still a prize up to grab. Today's prize, by the way, is a really great book. It's from the Maximized Life series. Uh, This one's by Brian Houston, and it's called How to Live in Health and Wholeness, Principles for Health and Wholeness in Body, Soul, and Spirit. So Brian Houston... um, as a physician, and uh, and this, this is a great book. It's not it's not like a heavy reading, big reading. It's it's uh, it's all about health, healing, wholeness, well being, uh, balance. Um, so yes, this is a really great book. This would be a really great Christmas present, actually, and. Um, it's got wonderful Bible verses throughout as well about healing and restoration and and uh, you know uses of nature. So give us a call if you know the answer and you would like to win a copy of this book, and um, and yeah, you can have that sent to you for free. One hundred Faith FM is our number.
0: Mm, there you go. That looks like a, a a really great prize right there. So Mon, what have we got in uh, positively different news this morning?
1: Okay, so I have so much good news. I'm like my mind is being blown. <laughs> Trying to pick something. I'm going to go with a tazzy one so they've I don't know if you realize this but they've uh, been testing out this virtual fence down in Taz for the past three years and they now have uh, the um, I have a virtual results. fence at my house. You do yes, go on
0: and my dog won't cross
1: it. Uh, because you taught him.
0: <laughs> well, it's a, it's a it's a white piece of wire that runs around the bottom of the fence, and you know it's like <coughs> well, that's not a virtual it's just, fence. Is it's it? quite, well, a no, fence. it's a virtual fence that's because the dog could fence. the dog could cross that fence at any point that he wants, but he will not cross that white piece of wire.
1: But that's not a virtual. I, I mean, fence. it's not
0: even it's it's just like a a, a four strand barbed wire fence with a white piece of wire added.
1: That's not. Which a doesn't count as a fence like, for I a dog. To, I it hate just to jump, it. jump straight through. It's still a fence, and okay, you can't right. go around teaching all the wildlife about white pieces of wire. That's <laughs> what you're going to do. Run up the wallabies. Okay, guys. <laughs> I reckon color.
0: if wallabies tried to cross my white piece of wire, they would learn
1: because uh, it's electric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: Well, I only, sp- only switched on for a week.
1: And then he learns. And, and he learned <laughs> I've switched it back on since. <laughs> ah, <Rubble. laughs> but he won't cross it. Yeah, he's a good dog. That's so, why I
0: call it a virtual fence because it actually does nothing.
1: Okay. Just, so, just well, this there. is this is a real right, virtual right, fence, right? right. right. It. Yeah. Uh, so, it's quite an innovate, innovative new uh, conservation effort. Um, and it's actually dramatically reducing the amount of wildlife that are killed by cars and passing traffic. Uh, so... At first, I thought maybe it's like shoots out a beam or something, but that like sizzles them as they go through, but it's actually not even that <laughs> so I'll show you a picture of
0: so it. This is going to be Mon driving down the road with laser beams yeah. exo- and just cutting animals in half <laughs> as she goes.
1: No, no, no. So, as you can see here, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a pole on the side of the road. And it looks like, like you know, when you come up to cross the street and you press a little button and go tick, tick, tick. And then when it's time, yeah, yeah, you, you yeah. press. It looks like one of those um, just on the side of the highway. But what this thing does, it's, uh, it's, it's basically a small unit um, at 80 foot intervals along the edge of the road. And then when the alarms detect a car, not an animal, when it detects a car, they begin to emit sirens and flashing lights so that any animals in the area um, are going to be discouraged from approaching the highway.
0: What about people who live in the area? Well,
1: this is, this is like, obviously most of our roadkill is not in cities or suburbs. It's out in the, in the countryside. Um. And so... But I like living in the countryside. Yeah, but I don't think this is going to be disruptive to you. So, okay. the units are faced away from the roads that don't interfere with the person's driving. And um, it's uh, it sets off blue and yellow flashing lights and a high-pitched siren. And uh, and as a combo, that really warns off uh, the local wildlife that a car is coming and to give the animal time to move away from the road. So, it's not like, beep, 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 boom, there's a car. It, it does it with a bit of, you know, forewarning. Mm-hmm. So, that's why you have to have several of these along so they can sense one in the beginning and then the one further up will let the wildlife know to get off the road. And uh, and in a way, this can also train the animals like, you know, if if they've heard it or seen it and not moved and then a car comes flying by, they start to associate the two together and so they get trained um, that when they hear the noise or when they see the flashing lights, it means there's something coming they should go off the road. And uh, this was tested out for three years on a road in TAS, um, which is apparently our the, the state of Australia, they experienced the highest rates of roadkill in the world.
0: Oh, there's just slaughter the all, all over the roads in yeah, Tasmania. It's, and, um, Never used to be like that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's gone worse. Um, but according to the study that they did, uh, it was published in Australian Mammal, Mammalology. I can't even pronounce that. Uh, it actually reduced the rates of roadkill by a whopping 50%. Okay. Yeah, 50 Which is great because apparently like where they did it, there's a lot of endangered animals and, um, you know, for endangered species to, to fall prey to busy highways, is kind of sad. Yeah, and endangered, endangered people
0: as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You do not want to hit a uh, decent-sized kangaroo or something like that. Yeah. When you are driving along, it's going it's to um, – a lot of people have died that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I we all, uh, My brother and I were in a car. We almost um, – yeah, came a cropper. We hit a kangaroo going about 120. Mm-hmm. Um, car was a total mangled piece of write-off. All the airbags exploded. Yeah, it was terrible. Anyway – um, Presently, we survived just a couple of broken bones for people in the front seat. We were in the back seat, uh, so this has been a great success, especially because it's so cheap. And, um, because I mean, at the moment, wildlife corridors have been shown to be the most effective in preventing roadkill, but their construction is usually quite expensive. So, do you know what a wildlife corridor is? Kind of. Okay, so where they build like a little underpass or overpass or something yeah, for the animals? That, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's the most effective, but you know, expensive and time-consuming. Whereas this can, you know, it just you just clip it on the on the side of the road on the poles. It can be easily installed to cover large um, large runs of highway, and uh, yeah, both animals and humans can be a little safe on the road. And speaking of being on the road, I just wanted to quickly discuss something that's a lo- I think a lot of our listeners are going to be enduring this holiday season, and that is I've done a study. On um, holiday road trips and the perfect solutions to the holiday road trip problems. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> but then a study they discovered that a car argument—that's an argument that happens in a
2: car—argument <laughs> yeah, is okay. most
1: likely to strike twenty-seven minutes into a road trip. So, if you and your family have packed up and you're going on holiday off to see the grandparents or something, it's only just started. Twenty-seven minutes into the journey is when it's most likely to hit. Right. With get this, the most likely argument topic. Is which radio station to listen to, and I think we have a solution for them, don't we, Lyle? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, get, Faith
0: FM. You, right don't even there. Have to change, yeah, you don't even have Problem to change
1: solved. the the frequency when you get out of range. If you're going like interstate, you just Plug in your TuneIn app and it's just perfect signal the whole way to your destination. Just
0: Anywhere in Australia, anywhere in the world, faithfm.com.au, run it through your phone, run it through the stereo system in your car, problem solved right there, or use the TuneIn app. As Mon just said, make sure you get the free version. And if you want instructions, just give us a call. We'll help you to get that installed on your, that simple app just installed on your mobile device.
1: Now, of course, uh, they did some studies also on what questions get asked. And are we there yet? The most infamous road tripping question gets asked At least five times on average, where I and also where um, I can't even speak right now. Also, I have to go to the bathroom and I'm hungry come up on average of six times each. So, and these all uh, provide stress points during the road trip. And quiet down is the most common order demand uh, given during a road trip also causing stress. But they have some um they do some studies about what to do to avoid dealing with uh stressful situations in your car. And the number one thing to do in your car and it's not giving the kids a screen, it's singing together. Oh really? Yep. Number one That's thing to cool. do. In fact you can avoid it says here sixty seven percent of arguments. And arguing if you just sing together as a family.
0: Well, see, there you go. You put you put Faith FM radio on and, and you, you sing. sing along to the yeah, song.
1: Yeah. And then, then there's little, little uh, tips here to, to make sure that your road trip will start off well. And one of them is to fill up your fuel tank, check your tire pressure, do an oil change, check your headlights and fill the antifreeze. So, these are just some tips to make sure all our people who are heading off on their holidays as well uh, are, are ready to, mm-hmm. to do this road trip and then top top five sources of disagreements what music station to listen to the temperature in the car too hot or too cold what route to take sitting in traffic and when to stop for bathroom breaks so now that you know where the pitfalls are get yourselves ready
0: well the bathroom breaks is an easy one to solve you just stop every two hours
1: well, That's not going to work for some people who need, stop, to, need revive, to go more. Food needs to go more often a lot than of every people two hours. Are. A lot of people are. My my guess, my suggestion is just stop as soon as people need to go because that's the kind thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and travel safe, guys. Have a great holiday.
3: My child, put on this pure white robe. Your filthy rags, I'll take from you. My child, put on this golden crown and follow.
0: Welcome back, guys. That was Anders Svensson with Promised Land here on Faith FM. And Mon, you got another clue for our quiz there?
1: Yes, indeed. Is our What Am I quiz. Uh, you heard click number one already. If you want to see it again, head over to our Instagram page, which is Faith FM Live, and you can check out our Insta story and you can watch it as many times as you like. Watch it and re-watch it. But for now, the second clue is this. Numbers 11 tells how people who complained were killed by this.
0: Okie doke. Numbers 11. This is something 11. that has the
1: power to kill. La la. Something dangerous. I mm. wonder what that might be. Okay. It's so call. you know the answer? 1-800-5-3-F-M. Faith
0: right. So 200 years ago. Yes. It was um, the night before Christmas. Well, almost. And not a creature was stirring.
1: Uh-huh. Except. Except.
0: The mice. In St. Nicholas Church in Obendorf. Oh. Who were busily chewing through the bellows of the organ.
1: Those naughty mice.
0: And suddenly there was no organ for the next day. And so as a result of that, there was uh, the pastor there, uh, Joseph Moore, who decided that he needed something that would uh, be available to sing the next day. And he picked out a poem that he had written um, several days earlier and asked his friend Franz Xavier Gruber... To put it to music on his guitar oh, And thus we have Silent Night
1: Oh I get it, Silent Night because there's no organ <laughs>
0: <laughs> No, that was the, that was the origin it's, it's the 200 year anniversary of Silent Night
1: Oh wow, year. 200 yeah. year, 100 years, wow Which is
0: really remarkable out of all of the, the uh, Various Christmas carols and Christmas songs This one has been translated into more than 300 Languages, and one of the things oh. that makes it so translatable is that it is such a simple tune. It is ridiculously simple. It's the kind of thing that you put together, mm-hmm. you know, last minute. You need some music. You need something to be able to uh, worship with the next day. Yeah. And Silent Night pops up, and there it is. Um. And so, yeah, it's it's haunting. It's unique. It's simple, and it paints a picture, it paints a scene.
1: It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It
0: really, you know, you, you, you sing the song, and you get this whole scene uh, coming up in your mind. Um. The first English version, by the way, was um, was sung in the same church in Florida, in the United States, as where "Jingle Bells" was first sung. Oh, yeah! Just a piece of tri- <laughs> trivia for you, right there. Wait, Not quite wait, wait, sure so what the relevance of that is. But the
1: original language is German, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was it still na- <laughs> how do you How do you pronounce that? <laughs> word?
4: Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give us the, the correct, the correct
0: Nacht. 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 Nacht.
1: Nacht. Can get that in there.
0: Of course, um, Silent Night became famous um, as a central part of the Christmas Eve truce in World War I, the first Christmas yeah. of World War I, mm-hmm. uh, where the German and British soldiers all sang Silent Night together um, and then went and uh, played football and had conversations and Shared food and generally had a unofficial uh, made friends and had an unofficial Christmas truce, which uh, was therefore was 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 banned very strictly after that because um, they found it hard to shoot each other the day after. uh, But it does show the illustrate the stupidity of war, really.
1: It does. It does absolutely in in
0: more ways than probably anything else. But yeah, so something worth remembering when we remember uh, Silent Night. So yeah, just a little bit of uh, interesting Christmas Christmas trivia for you this morning in relationship to Silent Night turning two hundred years this year.
1: That's actually, every time I hear Silent Night, that's what I think of. I think of that Christmas truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what it reminds me of.
0: And, um, okay, so, um, yes, Western Australia, Carnarvon, yes, West Australia just got hit by a oh, 5.6 earthquake. Oh, really? Mm-hmm, they just keep coming. That's a decent-sized well, earthquake for Australia. You know, Australia is yeah, um, a pretty stable continent. That's, that's pretty decent for Australia. But, uh, yeah, and uh, in uh, federal politics... Uh, Scott Morrison has announced a decision to recognise Jerusalem as Israel's capital. This is going to no doubt become an election issue, as every announcement from here on in is set to make. And it kind of makes me wonder where he's heading with this one. Yeah. Because over the weekend, of course, he just brought out, um, and late last week, you know, anti-discrimination um, legislation that protects the protects religious liberty. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, he's appealing to religious voters, people of faith, and that's 70% of our population here in Australia, and a growing portion of our population due to immigration. But most of our immigration uh, right now is not coming from areas that are Christian-based or Jewish-based, but this is a decision that would appeal to evangelical Christians and Jewish people. ...but would not appeal to Islamic people um, and I guess Hindus would be ambivalent on it. And so it's sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's you move one direction this way towards you know, people of faith and then divide people of faith with this one. It just makes me question the wisdom of such a move. The other thing that makes me question the wisdom of such a move is that surely it's going to paint a larger target on the back of every Australian tourist who travels to the Middle East. And there are a lot of Australians who love to travel to the Middle East and particularly to Israel. Israel is a pilgrimage site. And in my opinion, Jerusalem should be kept as a pilgrimage site rather than a political pawn. Yeah. Let's not be playing politics with Jerusalem. Let's keep it as a, a place where, where Jews, Muslims and Christians can all go a, as a part of their faith. But anyway, that's uh, what is happening. Of course, Malaysia has jumped in and said that this is premature. It's a humiliation to Palestine. Um, it's going to create a quagmire of unrest. Um, and, you know, w- when, you, when you do travel to Israel, so much of what there is to see is in the West Bank. You know, and the West Bank is, you know, the Palestinian area. You've got to cross into the West Bank to, you know, to, to see places like Bethlehem. We're coming up to Christmas time. And, and at this time of year, Bethlehem is a major, major. Um, pilgrimage destination, the, the 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 population of Bethlehem just goes through the roof at this time of year. But it makes it hard for Australians to travel there when we have, you know, this kind of conflict being stirred up. But not only have you have got, you've got uh, you know, you've got things like Masada, the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea Scrolls, Qumran, Jericho, Bethlehem, Nazareth, Galilee, Capernaum, Canaan, Bethsaida, you know, the list goes on and on and on. These are all sites that are in the West Bank, why do why do we need to do this? Yeah, this I is was my just, question. What what what? Do, this is just purely symbolic.
1: Yeah, I was wondering why do we need to do it and why should the people care? I, don't, I, don't, I feel like no one on either side should really be getting involved in this. It just it's,
0: no no just, one should be caring, but a lot of people do. And yeah. so because a lot of people do, leave it
1: alone. Yeah, it's it's just so nonsensical. He must be up to something. There has to be something else happening.
0: Well, he's trying to he's trying to be reelected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. You know, but does it
1: really I, matter to Australians? That that he's gone and done this, like, does it really? Do you know? or do you know what? I'm going to vote for Scott Morrison because he's recognised Jerusalem. As, like, who cares?
0: I think hardcore evangelicals and Jewish people would um, would vote for him because of that, but that's a fairly small yeah, group.
1: Yeah, that's. This is not America. There's this is, we have a tiny business. But it could like,
0: be because Scott Morrison is a devout evangelical Christian. It could be an issue of conscience for him. Okay. Um, I disagree with that issue of conscience. I think it's absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should, you know, leave it in Tel Aviv where it belongs and yeah. where it can be secular rather than religious. I don't think we. I think this is a re- mixing of religion and politics that is not healthy.
1: Is this now going to cause issues with you know any sort of um, embassy stuff like that?
0: Well, the embassy moves from Tel Aviv to uh, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means that it's probably a little bit more accessible because very few tourists go to Tel Aviv. They typically go to Jerusalem Jerusalem instead. Um, So it may be a little bit more convenient. But, um, yeah, a highly provocative move from a symbolic perspective. Anyway, one other quick story. Oh, I've got a couple of other quick stories here. I'll try and see if I can get through them. But the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. Oh. Has feminist up in arms as being a date rape, rape anthem And was banned across a lot of radio stations in the United States But now its sales are surging yeah, huh? um, <laughs> Billboard um, on their holiday digital song sales list It's topped the charts That's
1: hilarious um,
0: <laughs> And uh, is now coming back on all of the radio stations by popular demand Yep, I
1: can just imagine I can just imagine <laughs> That is so funny. <laughs>
0: it's just the world in which we live. What can you say? Uh, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, it's a uh, it, it's a very flirtatious song. It's got nothing to do with uh, so Christmas. So many
1: songs are flirtatious. How it's many a, it's a, it's songs do you know song. are about men and, re, uh, oh. men and women relationships? Like That's like all of them, right? Any secular song is basically about this topic. Might as well just ban everything. <laughs>
0: the ban everything. Feminist brigade. needs to
1: calm down. This is not the f- once again, feminists fighting fights in the wrong do you know what, feminists? If you want to pick a fight, pick a fight with the entire pornography industry. There's Absolutely. a fight for you. Yeah, yeah, Go, yeah, fight that. Uh-huh. Go fight that. Uh huh. Go fight that. Uh huh. And, and calm will, down will, about will, baby it's cold outside. <laughs> Seriously. Because that song's really gonna make a difference for women worldwide. Goodness me. Talk about misdirected rage. Oh, sorry.
0: No, I'm I'm just sitting here loving your rant, Ron. I'm like, go <laughs> this
1: is It's awesome. just so profoundly daft. <laughs> okay, I'm done.
0: All right, so Mon's done with their rant. Let us know what your thoughts are. One eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number. Give us a call and let us know what you think. But right now we're going to listen to Anna Beaton with I am convinced. You're listening to Faith FM.
5: I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, and I am convinced.
0: beaten with i am convinced here on faith fm and before we come to our interview of the day mon have you got another clue for our quiz there what do
1: you mean have i got of course i've got another clue for our quiz i have nobody's, nobody's snapped this one up yet yeah well it's a little bit cryptic but i guarantee you it is pretty easy okay so third clue for our what am i quiz james says that the tongue is like this Mm. Ooh, what might
0: that be? If you know the num- know the answer, you know the number, 1-800-324-843. Give us a call and uh, the prize can be yours.
1: Yes, today's prize, of course, we said to you before, is How to Live in Health and Wholeness, Principles for Health and Wholeness in Body, Soul and Spirit. It's
0: a wonderful book. Okay, so we've had a bit to say about Brexit lately and the, um, I don't know, the continually Changing face of British politics, and so this morning we have uh, Adam Random, Adam Ramden, joining us on the phone, who is a keen follower and commentator on global politics, and also the uh, youth director for uh, the Adventist Church in North England. Adam, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thank you. Good to be here.
0: So, Adam, what we wanted to do this morning was just to really get a uh, a UK perspective on what's happening with Brexit. We sort of, you know, we hear. On the media over here, you know that everything just sort of seems to be in a shambles and that we have really no idea what's what's going to happen what what is happening um, but we wanted to get a feeling of you know what's it like you know just from the average person on the street. Um, but before we do, what's the latest where are we up to now with brexit? It seems to change every day
2: ah well, You're right on the last part. It seems to change every day. That's probably the most accurate I can give you. The latest is um, uh, we were supposed to have a vote last week in parliament as to on the Brexit deal by the members of parliament. And the government was scared that they wouldn't uh, win that vote. So they canceled the vote. And then because of that, Government got pretty upset. I mean, the par- members of parliament got upset. There was a vote of no confidence in the leadership, but the vote of no confidence didn't pass. So we still held the government leader, which is the prime minister, and she lived to tell the story so far.
0: Okay, so um, how, how, how long do you suspect that uh, Theresa May may be able to survive? She survived that one. Will there be another vote of no confidence? Um, what's What's your gut feeling on this one, Adam?
2: Well, the party that she's a part of, a conservative party, is not able to do another vote of no confidence for another year. So they've they've done one and they can't do it for their party rules state not for another year. The only thing that could happen is if the opposition, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, does a, a vote of no confidence in the House. And they would not have enough votes to pass that unless some Tory MPs defected and voted with the opposition. And what's the possibility Which, of that? I think that's unlikely because most of the ones who don't who who push the vote of no confidence are the hardline Brexiteers, and I can't see them forming a pact with the Scottish National Party and the Labour Party, et cetera, to get their own. Uh, it, 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 there's too many conflicting agendas for them to do that. I, I think. And this is the picture that we
0: get from this part of the world: is that there are that the whole system is very fractured, with um, very conflicting agendas from both sides. Is that uh, would that be reality?
2: Completely. And, and the, the thing with Brexit is it doesn't fall on normal party lines. So it's not like a traditional, I don't know, you know, conservative Labour right and left. It's not a traditional, OK, the party in power wants it, the party in power doesn't want it. So th- that's what's made it a very complex issue, because if it was that simple and conservatives wanted it and Labour didn't, well, the ones who don't want it will just move against the prime minister. But the, the, the problem is for the Labour Party or the opposition, a huge percentage of their constituents voted for Brexit. So they can't operate, so to speak, as the opposition when their own constituents wanted it.
0: So with the um, the uh, vote of no confidence, was was this a situation of people within the party who were no longer confident in Theresa May uh, making their move too early now that they're not allowed to do it for another year?
2: No, it... Well, it was mainly the hardliners that didn't want like her deal, so they said her. Most of those who who it was a mix, but a lot of those who voted no confidence and sent the letters in were people that wanted a stronger deal and felt that she had compromised in Brexit principles by having a weak deal. And so, sure.
0: Yeah. Now, you know, just looking at it from from this side of the world, it seems like that you know the whole the whole thing is um, you know suicidal chaos by you know Theresa May's um, government. Um, and that this chaos is being engineered by both sides of parliament, you know, maybe as a, a, a desperate bid to stop Brexit at all costs or, you know, create so much self-destruction that no other government will ever survive Brexit. What are your thoughts on, on uh, why there is so much self-destruction taking place right now?
2: That's a good question. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure if I see it that way, to be honest. Um, I can see that. Uh, that's, one, that's one line. Some people, another line that some people say is that they're, they're keeping all of this stuff on go going like it is. So that we'll leave with no deal. There'll be a no deal Brexit. And which
0: yes, go ahead.
2: Some, some of the hardliners would prefer a no deal Brexit over a, because it, it's interesting because a year and a half ago, people used to say no deal is better than bad deal. And now they're, they're trying to switch it and say, well, a bad deal is better than no deal. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with all the the, the implications of what a no deal is.
0: Sure, sure. Um, Yeah, maybe you could just summarise that for us very quickly because in this part of the world we're probably not familiar with um, why it would be an advantage to no deal.
2: The deal is over two basic issues. Number one is over the freedom of movement of people. So can people move between England and the UK rather and, and Europe and Europeans live here? Uh, so there's freedom of movement of people. And the other issue is the freedom of goods, the freedom of trading. And at, at the present, we can trade with Europe with no, with no issues. So if we have a no deal Brexit, it means there's no deals in place for us to negotiate trade at all. There's, there's nothing. Um, and there's no, there's no rules on migration, etc. It's just complete, comes to a full stop. So basically,
0: you're just um, a completely separate country, and you start from scratch where you negotiate. Well, like, with this country, we have this kind of visa, with that country, with that kind of visa, with this product, something we have. Like that, yeah. We have, you know, we charge this kind of tax, and with, yeah. 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 Uh, now, you know, some time ago, obviously, when the uh, referendum went through, um, it was won by a fairly narrow majority in, in favour of Brexit. Um, since then, has the support been growing
2: or decreasing? Uh. <laughs> The perception is it's been decreasing, but I'm not convinced personally. I'm not convinced. And I think, and I think the hesitancy of the opposition to call for a second referendum uh, shows that I think there's some educated reason for a hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like People assume that if there's another Brexit, another vote, that Brexit won't pass. But there's no guarantee either way. I mean, it's true that a lot of young people didn't vote and young people traditionally or typically would vote not to leave, um, but then there's no guarantee they would vote next time either. So,
0: how likely do you think it is that there would be another referendum? A- and is that um, even legal? I mean, Britain voted. I mean, if you don't like a vote, you just vote yeah. voting again until you get what you want. What you want?
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's it. Have to be another vote in Parliament to have another referendum. Um, the current government has insisted there will be no other referendum. We have to respect the we have to respect the vote of the people. And even Labour, who's the opposition, aren't pushing for another referendum. What they're hoping is to have a another election. That's their that's their strategy: is sure. to have another election, and yeah. then they can get in power, as opposed to a referendum, and then they can negotiate the deal. Because uh, Tony Jeremy Corbyn, who's the opposition leader, he's 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 pretty for Brexit, to be honest. So.
0: Yeah, so it seems not- you're going to. It, it seems like you're going to get Brexit uh, either which way. And if both sides of them are looking at Brexit, then it seems they have um, you know measured you know because you would imagine if you were in that situation, you would spend a lot of money and time and effort to measure the uh, where the, the, the British population were at. Um, and so then that seems to indicate that yeah, that another referendum would not necessarily uh, reverse the previous one.
2: It, yeah, and this is the problem I think with the referendum as a whole. You had a, you've got an extremely complex issue, which you can see by Brexit right now. I mean, it's like, is it is a deal Brexit, a no deal Brexit, is it a soft Brexit, hard Brexit, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very complex issue. And then when we went to the polling booths in two thousand and sixteen or, or whenever it was, it was just a simple: do you want to be in the EU or not? Yes, no. So we had a we had a binary vote on a complex issue, which it just doesn't make sense, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that has engineered all of this confusion. Like, we simplified a really complex issue to, a, to a tick in two boxes.
0: Sure. Let's um, talk about the deal. And, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, well, let's talk about the deal. A um, lot of debate over the deal. What are its good points, bad points from the uh, standpoint of the average person on the street?
2: Um, the good points, I guess, for the average person is that it leaves a lot of the, the current working relationship intact um you know we still would be able to trade to a certain degree with europe we still would have freedom of some movement um so so in that sense it's quite good for the average person bad points would be that we we kind of got the same arrangement we have now but we don't have the input that we used to have at at the uh, at the time we won't we'll we've lost that input at the table mm-hmm. that we used to have in terms of um Etc. And, and the big issue uh, is another big issue is um, is Ireland the border in Ireland that's kind of become a huge issue that you yeah, yeah much bigger than one would one would have thought that the little you know hundred miles of border is 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 kind of the break or make, make deal.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you need to have a visa to to uh, see your relatives on the other side of the border?
2: And I think it's just a scare of going back to the, the era of the 1980s, 90s or 1970s when there was all that trouble in Ireland. And so, you know, we finally got over that uh, between the UK and Ireland. We finally got past that. And do we want to go back to a clear reminder of that with border checks, etc., cetera, et cetera. And so they, they want to avoid that. But essentially what you've got now is that the Northern Ireland is, is um, separate in some ways from the rest of the uk so scotland is very annoyed about that because they overwhelmingly voted to stay in the eu but they don't have the privilege of getting some of the deals that the northern irish have so Mm. it's
0: very complex indeed um now adam um while we've still got some time here left just um do you and do uh, you know british people of faith see brexit being relevant to the prophecy of daniel 2. It's a discussion it's we've been, been having battered. here on, uh, on on Faith FM.
2: Yeah, I mean it's definitely been batted around, and it comes up in discussion. But I personally, I, I never saw the European Union as being a a problem when when you look at Daniel two. Myself, um, in, in Daniel chapter two, it does say that the feet and toes will not cleave one to another, but it also says there in Daniel two, I think it's verse forty four, it says that the kingdom shall be divided. And I've often interpreted that when it says the kingdom singular shall be divided, I, I see that potentially as being the current situation we have, where you've got a kingdom loosely of a European Union, but it's completely divided within. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not, you know. So,
0: so if you were to compare, if you were to compare the EU with the Roman Empire, which is what we're talking about as being the kingdom that would be divided, um, the Roman Empire had sovereignty over. Uh, essentially, Western Europe and the EU. Each nation still maintains its own sovereignty.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the
0: Now you know within that context, you know, of course, you know, Britain was a part of the Roman Empire for uh, for 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 many many years. But does Britain really see itself as being European?
2: No, it's it's interesting. It doesn't like it just just an anecdotal conversation or chat when you're talking to someone. You just be like. If, if, for example, you were traveling to France on holiday, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to Europe or I'm going across to Europe. Um, and <laughs> it's a point that used to always grate with any European that you talk to because they'd be like, well, you're part of Europe. Well, no, not really, you know? And so in our heads, we we never really, when you travel to France or Germany, that was going to the continent or to Europe. And, and we'd always talk. So it, there was always this kind of separate, at least in my mind. And, you know, I, I don't represent everyone, but, uh, you know, enough to know that, there was England and there was Europe.
0: Yeah, you know? and I mean, here in Australia, you know, uh, many white Australians trace their uh, heritage back to Britain and uh, they trace it back to Britain, not to Europe. So I think that's a, um, a, a fairly significant. Um difference that we have right there now um, mm-hmm. just one last question very quickly um, have there been any religious liberty issues that have come up as a result of either being a part of the EU or that could change for the UK following Brexit we've got some major issues with religious liberty here in Australia anything on that front uh, over there
2: I don't I'm not up on all of those issues at the minute to be honest like fully um, but I think one of the issues looming that's that, that that's that has not potentially become a massive issue yet is going to be the uh, transgenderism, et cetera, et cetera. And I think how that how the faith communities relate to those laws is going to be a big issue. Sure. Um, sure. And, and that's going to be something that's pushed You know, European-wide. There was recently a case in England um, of the Jewish community and some rulings against them, which could have very similar consequences for any traditional Christian community as well.
0: And would uh um, would the UK be better off or worse off uh with Brexit in that respect or no change?
2: I don't see it as much difference personally. Sure. I mean, te- technically we'd have would be under the, the High Court of England as so sovereignty wise we'd still be in charge of our laws, but I think the way that the philosophy of or or the way laws are interpreted, say in, in, in London as Brussels, it's pretty much on the same trajectory, I think.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Adam, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but it's great to get uh, the perspective of, uh, of the average Brit on the street over there in England with uh, all of this um, Brexit news just uh, really soaking up so much of our airtime. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Hey, no problem. Thanks a lot. Right there.
0: Praise God from whom all blessings
3: flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above.
6: Every single dream I lay each one
7: Face FM.